This is episode 44, Feeling Happy and Free in Marriage. Hi, I'm Sabrina DeYoung. I'm a life coach, and I'm a member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is the Perspective Detective podcast. Here, I'm going to share true principles and mind management tools to help you live in a more empowered way with you as the creator of your life. Let's do this. Hello, thanks for being here today. Hey, if you are enjoying the podcast and you have not yet given me a rating and review, please pause it and go do that now. Unless you're driving, then do it later. But please go do the rating and review thing and share it with your friends. I'm really hoping to make this podcast grow and I really appreciate your help with that. Okay, story number one. Years ago, my husband and I got into an argument about the proper way to help kids with homework. Yes, that's right. The proper way. (laughs) It was March of 2020. And if you remember, in March of 2020, at least here in Utah, our kids were sent home and they were now being schooled at home. And I am not a homeschool mom and my husband is not a homeschool guy and neither of us knew what we were doing. But of course, the bulk of the responsibility fell on me, which I was fine with because I am the stay-at-home parent and he was still working his full-time job, except now he was working his full-time job remotely and we were all crammed into a townhouse at home all the time, doing things that we didn't really know how to do. At one point, my husband accused me of being controlling. Of course, that was in an argument, to which I countered with the same accusation, no, you're the one that's controlling. And I left the room feeling offended, hurt, angry, unseen, unheard, and insecure. I went for a walk because that's how I cool down. And I considered his words, am I controlling? I didn't think I was. I thought I was actually pretty easygoing. But of course, there were things that I wanted to have my way, and especially the ones that were within my role and what I saw as my scope of influence. But I never felt like I had to have control or dictate how others should behave. And I don't even know what it means to be controlling, although I was telling him I wanted him to do things in a certain way. Okay, story number two. Earlier this year, my husband decided he wanted to get a motorcycle. He told me all his reasons and he took all the responsible measures. He took classes and got licensed and insured. He found a bike that he really likes and was within a very reasonable budget. The bike he got actually looks really sexy, but I will be honest, motorcycles scare me. I don't really like driving near them on roads. I will like change lanes or slow down when a motorcycle comes near me when I'm driving. I've just heard too many terrible stories and I don't want my husband to be one of those stories. So I wasn't exactly thrilled about my husband's new bike, even though it was very pretty. It still just made me nervous. Okay, and story number three, The Blue Castle by L.M. Montgomery. I just recently finished listening to this book because who has time to read, let's be honest. (laughs) Um, But I wanted something just light and whimsical. And I hear a lot of people say it's their favorite book. And I had read it before, but it was a long time ago. And I don't know why other people love this book so much. I don't know why it's their favorite, but I do know why I liked it. To me, 
There are parts in the blue castle that show principles that add to creating a beautiful relationship. So I'll give a brief context summary here for those who have not yet read the book. So during the turn of the century, in a town in Canada, we have the main character, Valency. She is a 29-year-old spinster who is apparently unattractive. They say it way too many times in the book and very unhappy. She takes herself to a doctor because she feels like her heart is giving her troubles. Shortly after the doctor visit, she receives a letter saying that she is going to die very, very soon. The letter says that there is nothing she can do about it, that she only has months, maybe a year to live. So up until this point, she had been living a miserable life. It was just a people-pleasing life, people-pleasing for her mother, her aunts, her uncles, her cousins. When she receives the letter, her eyes are open to the fact that she's now been given this life sentence that she's going to die, and she has not actually lived at all. She hardly knows who she is or what she likes because she spent her whole life trying to fit in the box that others expected of her. So, immediately... She drops the people-pleasing and begins saying what she thinks and begins doing what she feels is best for her, given the short time that she has left. She tells no one about the letter, and she doesn't tell anyone about her condition. She actually goes to live with a town derelict, a drunkard, whose adult daughter, named Ceci, was shunned by the town years ago for having a baby out of wedlock, and the baby only lived a very short life. Now, Ceci, the mother, is very ill and also expected to die very soon. So this is a small town, again, turn of the century, very focused on appearances and judgments, and no one has any interest in associating with or helping this dying woman. Valency goes to care for her until her death. Of course, her family also is extremely disappointed and embarrassed. They're all about appearances and reputation, and so they want little to do with Valency during this time. But Valency decides, I'm fine with this because I'm going to die very soon. My family can disown me, and it doesn't matter if they're not going to see me anymore anyways. She meets a man named Barney Snaith who lives on a secluded island and whom her family also despises. The town has spread rumors about him, but really no one knows him. No one knows what he does. They don't know why he's there. They don't know why he lives alone, all secluded in this island. They just spread gossip and rumors. But she becomes acquainted with Barney. And while she still doesn't know his mysteries, she does decide that she really likes him. And again, because she thinks she's going to die, she does things that she would not normally do. She tells Barney about her heart her heart failure, her life expectancy, and she asks him to marry her. So this is where I think the story gets really good, okay? Barney says, yes, but only under certain conditions. He said, you are not to ask me about my work. You may not go into my man cave, okay? He actually calls it Bluebeard's Chamber. <laughs> and he also says some contradictory things. He's like, I want us to be honest with each other. We are never to pretend anything to each other. We'll never lie to each other about anything, a big lie or a petty lie. And then he also says, also, I have things that I want to hide. You are not allowed to ask me about them. And Valency says, okay, fair enough. But I'd also like to make my own requests. 
you are not to say that I can't do something because of my condition. Do not treat me delicately. You are to pretend as if I am as healthy as anyone. Let me work as hard as I want and do what I want. I will not be seeing any doctors or specialists. I just want to be treated normal and healthy. Barney tells her about his house. He says it's not much, but it's cozy and bright. And he talks about how he's probably, he's really not the best housekeeper. And he says, you're probably going to want to tidy it, aren't you? To which she responds, oh, definitely. I don't need very much, but I do need to be tidy. And Barney's like, okay, fair enough. You can do what you want with the house. And then they marry upon these conditions. (laughs) So just as he told her, Barney spends a lot of time in his bluebeard's chamber slash man cave that I like to call it. And Valency doesn't resent the time he spends there. The book says she isn't even very curious about what he does during those hours because his past and his future concerned her not. Only this rapturous present. Nothing else mattered. And the two of them actually pass the time very happy together. They really genuinely like each other. Okay, of course, there's a lot more to the book, but I want to stop here and talk about the principles that I saw that make our own marriages feel a whole lot better and keep us from feeling unseen, unheard, insecure, and worried. So the truth is, relationship troubles come when we have expectations and judgments. Trouble and discord and hurt comes when we decide that someone or something should or should not be a certain way. Also, when we attempt to people-please, right? Like I said, Valency spent most of her life people-pleasing, trying to act a certain way so that other people would feel better. In The Blue Castle, at least in this part of the story that I shared, Valency drops all expectations. She has no expectations. She drops all judgments and even the opportunities for judgments. Neither Valency nor Barney try to even please each other for the sake of manipulating their feelings. They decide to just be themselves. And they are very clear about that. I'm just going to be me and you're just going to be you. And I'm going to accept you and you're going to accept me. Valency allows Barney to be himself and he allows her to be who she wants to be. They also didn't attach any personal meaning to the actions of the other. So for example, Valency didn't make it mean that Barney didn't love love her or that he didn't want to be with her or anything else when he wanted to spend so much time up in Bluebeard's chamber. And when Valency tidied up his home and kind of got rid of some of his things and cleaned it up, he didn't make it mean that he was messy, but rather just recognized that this was something that she wanted to do because that's who she was. Acceptance. Allowance of the other to be, as well as acceptance for who we are and allowing ourselves to be true. When we internally allow others to be themselves, it actually creates more space in our own hearts and minds for peace and internal freedom. So in the book, Valency says the absolute freedom of it all was unbelievable. They could do exactly as they liked. It was this principle of allowing that calmed my nervousness and negativity about my husband's motorcycle. I realized that him getting a motorcycle had nothing to do with me. It didn't mean that he didn't care about me or our family. It only meant that he thought it sounded fun and that he wants to do things to enjoy his life a little more, just as much as I do. And the truth is I love him 
and I want to love him. I don't need to love a version of him that's a reflection of me. So now I actually love the motorcycle. I love when he rides it. Maybe I get a little bit nervous sometimes. Sure. But I don't make it mean anything. I don't make it mean that, oh, he should stop riding it or anything like that. I just make it mean that I like my husband and I have this story that maybe motorcycles are dangerous sometimes. At the end of the day, I just want my husband to feel freedom to be himself because that's exactly what I want too. Freedom to be myself. It feels a whole lot better. So in the Blue Castle, going into their marriage, neither Barney nor Valency had any expectations of each other. Going back to the very first story when my husband and I got in an argument about how to help kids with homework and we both accused the other of being controlling, the truth was both of us or neither of us have a controlling personality. But we do both have expectations and we both had judgments about how the other should do things. He wanted to help the kids in his way and he wanted me to work with the kids in his way and I wanted to help the kids in my way and I wanted him to work with the kids in my way. So in the argument, neither of us considered that we both love our kids and that we both have the same goal and interest in their success. But we show our love and work in very different ways. Rather to our detriment, we were more focused on our own expectations. So as I walked this couple years ago and calmed down, I realized that we had a common goal, but our common goal was being clouded by our self-preservation and expectations of one another. Eventually, and gratefully, I was able to see that I actually like how my husband is the dad to my kids. He's actually a great dad. He's not like me at all in the way that we parent, but he can reach our kids in ways that I cannot. Just like how I chose to see him and his desires to have a motorcycle, I chose to see him and his parenting style also as valid, even if it wasn't in my own way. Again, this thought feels so much more freeing. I am no longer imprisoned by thoughts of he's doing it wrong or I'm doing it wrong. Choosing to see him and his perspective helped me to want to have a discussion and not just hear his side, but also back myself up too. Because that desire to give someone else freedom also unlocks the chains that we sometimes put on ourselves and lets us be free too. Allowing, seeing, offering freedom. These are just a few ways that I have found to have a happier marriage. These feelings and tools are also always available. Look for them this week in your own marriage, in your own relationships. So coming up near the end of October, I'm going to be teaching a few workshops on how to feel better about yourself, your marriage, and your parenting. I'll teach several more tools and principles and we'll work on applying them to your own situations. If you are local to me and want to get the details, just message me on Instagram at Sabrina Perspective Detective or you can find me on Facebook. And as always, be watchful and stay curious. Hey, if you're feeling stuck or even just want to up-level your life a little more, I encourage you to try life coaching. As one of my clients says, life coaching is like therapy, but it's better. If you want to see why life coaching is different and you're looking for something to make your life better, then click the link in the show notes to schedule a call. The first one is free. I hope to see you soon.